At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Okay. All right. I've got it. On the count of three, one word to describe sex with men. Ready? One, two, three. Disappointing. <laughs> I literally thought of disappointing first, mm. but um, I think across all men, it's usually fast. I was considering fast. underwhelming as well, but disappointing yeah. seems to sum it up better. Mm. Mm. <laughs> anyway, hey besties, I'm Cara. <laughs> and I'm Cindy. I am back for another episode. Thank you for having me, Cara. You're so welcome. Um, so as you guys may have noticed, uh, no Isa today. She's taking a bit of a hiatus. So in the meantime, um, we've got Cindy filling in and we have a few other guests lined up. So Isa will probably pop back in when she's feeling up to it. But for the moment, we've got Cindy today. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> Lucky us. Okay. So as you guys probably know by the title, today we're here to talk about sex. We asked you on Twitter for some suggestions of topics or questions that you had for us to talk about. Um, so we'll be covering those today. But before we start, I just wanted to give a trigger warning, obviously due to the nature of this topic. We'll be talking about some sensitive topics, including sexual assault and other similar themes. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, also, <laughs> mum, if you're listening, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm actually recording right now um, upstairs in my room, mum's downstairs. Mm. Um, so mum, if you're listening to me right now, <laughs> stop <Please> it. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was actually one of the questions we got was, do you talk to your parents about sex? Ah, that, I, I, I actually have started to, which Ooh. is shocking in a mm. Vietnamese household. Mm. Um, growing up, we never talked about sex other than the fact that do not do it. Men will ruin you. You are a flower. Um, mm. Don't let anyone ruin your petals kind of a story. A Jane the Virgin type vibe, yep. Yeah, definitely. But um, obviously we, it got to a point where my mum knew I was having sex. We just mm. never really talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the past, like I would say last year and this year, we've started talking about it a bit more openly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just in terms of, like, well, I think maybe we'll get to it later on mm-hmm. okay. if you want, or we, I can talk about it now because it's no, um, I think... pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> How about we, I think we'll just talk about the way our relationship with sex has evolved, I guess, since the yeah, beginning. Yeah, sure. Um, and that will probably slot in there somewhere, I'm guessing. Mm, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, do you want to start off and talk about your relationship with sex from the beginning of your sexually active days <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah we'll go back to the start and I think um like you know for one reason you having me on this particular podcast mm. I'm someone who is very open about sex and I always mm-hmm. have been and I think it is a big part of the person the whole the being a sexuality is a big part of you mm-hmm. and a lot of the time um 
I mean, for myself when I was younger as well, and for other people, you kind of taught to repress it, especially as women, especially, especially as in women. society where, you know, we're here to serve a man's pleasure and you just yep. pop out babies, you know? Yep. <laughs> um, but guess what? Women love sex too. <laughs> um, yeah, so even when I was younger, I was always very comfortable talking about sex with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um. Not with my family, though, that's for sure. So it was really just my mum and I growing up. Um, yeah. And all she ever told me, taught me about sex was don't have it. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's a lot of parents too. Yeah. And, yeah. like, I would – like, when I have kids, if and when um, – mm-hmm. I hope to have a much more open discussion with them. Like even with my younger brother now, who's 13, like I've talked to him about sex and not just, you know, the biological components of how it Mm -hmm. works, but just sex as a whole and how it is something that can be very beautiful. And there is a reason, or for me in my experience anyway, that it's worth waiting until you are more mature to then Mm. understand yourself and another person better because sex takes two people. Yeah, exactly. I think that's um, something that you see a lot is it being referred to as something that men do to women yeah. rather than with women. Sorry, mm-hmm. I, I should probably clarify too that um, if we are speaking in terms of like a, a heterosexual relationship, um, that's not to exclude anything else, but I'm mm. talking more in the, I guess, the frame of my own experience with sex. Yeah. So um, yeah, I hope that's not Mm. problematic (laughs) yeah um yeah yeah uh just to touch on from that as well are you hetero well (laughs) I've always thought that I was Mm. but I think I definitely I don't think I would classify myself I actually don't know (laughs) Mm. And I guess you don't have to necessarily know and categorize yourself if that's something that you don't feel fits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. What about you, Cindy? Um, yeah, I would describe myself as pansexual. So I've mm-hmm. been, um, for majority of my life, I've been attracted to men. Mm-hmm. Um, like, honestly, I've been obsessed with, like, guys or boys since I was, like, in kindergarten. Like, oh God, I've had too. a crush <laughs> on, like, daddy issues, right? Like, Yeah, or it could be that. <laughs> Well, yeah, I had – well, that was for me. And mm-hmm. so I was like – I just wanted um, attention from men. Male like, attention, yeah. Male attention, like, throughout my whole life because I, I didn't have it, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, God, the same. Yeah. And I think, like, maybe that's why I sort of thought I was straight, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, since becoming an adult, I've definitely been attracted to women, non-binary people, mm-hmm. um, trans people so I, mm. I identify as pan so yeah. like when I'm talking about my experiences um from when I was younger it, it's been with men up until mm-hmm. you know more recently mm-hmm. um yeah so I was a fucking horny young girl <laughs> wait <laughs> let me rephrase that sounds fun I was I, <laughs> I was a very horny teenager yeah um I think I started masturbating like really young like I I was 11 um hmm. I didn't know what I was doing I, I actually say, had you been educated like not, not at all not at all <laughs> I, I I didn't I went to a Catholic primary school and oh. when we had like sex ed in grade six mm-hmm. it was 
you know, about menstruation, boys having mm-hmm. erections and having wet dreams. Like that's what I remember anyway. And there yeah. was nothing else about like female pleasure as yeah. with most sex education back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so when I first started doing it, um, I remember I would just like touch myself over my underwear. Um, <laughs> and I thought I had a disease because, <laughs> because, <laughs> because it would get, all wet, wet. <laughs> and then I would be all sweaty and like out of breath and I thought oh. I had a disease because I couldn't stop doing it either <laughs> <laughs> so genuinely I thought I was sick and I would pray at night that like no one would find out or that I wouldn't die from it like a full serious and this is like the importance of sex education because oh. I was straight up like Anyway, so I remember one time I was at the at school and I would have been like in year seven, mm. maybe. And some girl who, because I was in the year above and there was, I had some older friends, um, was talking about fingering. Mm. And I was like, What's that? Fingering? <laughs> oh my God. I've been doing that. Oh my God. It's a thing. Oh my God. I'm not <laughs> the <dying>. relief. <laughs> Yeah. I had this moment to myself and I was just like wide-eyed, like, oh my lord. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. The portal okay. opened. The portal opened. <laughs> um yeah, so I started dating at 15. I had my first mm-hmm. boyfriend at 15. Um mm. and like I remember at the time feeling like I was ready for sex. Yeah, like, right. Um, you know, we had made out all of that. Um, and I was, I was ready. Um, I had always like talked about sex very openly with my friends as well. Um, I don't think anyone else had started having sex yet. Um, but anyway, we broke up like the week before we were planning on having sex. Oh. <laughs> so that didn't happen. And it didn't happen until I was 20. Can wow. you believe it? Yeah. yeah. That's actually kind of surprising. I would have expected yeah, it to be like, younger. Everyone is always like shocked about that. And I was yeah. actually like, because I, I wanted to have sex. I was ready to have sex. But looking back, definitely not at 15. I think that was way too young for me personally. Yeah. And for like most people too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can touch on that later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's just um, there were opportunities, but it just sort of never really happened up until I was 20. Mm. Um, and for me, virginity was never a big deal. Um, yeah, which is quite surprising. Outside from like the first relationship, um, I think I was sort of exposed to more like media, I guess, in terms of yeah. like Tumblr and having um, – <laughs> Good old like, Tumblr. Yeah, like people – that are older or, you know, from other countries and stuff like that mm. with different experiences and mm-hmm. different philosophies. Um, so I it was broader than just the context of how I was raised. I think particularly coming from a Catholic school, mm. um, like purity culture, I think in religion in general, or not even in religion, just in conservative cultures, I guess, mm-hmm. um, it does like pose virginity as this really big deal, like yep especially for women Mm -hmm. more so than men um it's like like you mentioned before like your sacred flower that shouldn't be touched and Mm. i think it that in itself can be problematic especially if you're dealing with teenagers with hormones Mm. um just telling them straight up not to have sex 
preaching abstinence and neglecting education on like Mm -hmm. the fact that people want to have sex people enjoy sex and framing it as this like cardinal sin Mm -hmm. can be really problematic to the way I think especially women view sex or you know maybe develop like shame towards Mm -hmm. the idea of enjoying sex yeah for sure or that you like owe it to someone yes and it's not for you it's for men to take from you yeah which is hugely problematic yeah I think like uh, like in the time that we grew up Mm. um like no one talked about sex as something that is shared yeah because it takes two people to have sex and Mm -hmm. it is a shared thing where both parties need to consent and Mm -hmm. participate in something together it's not something that you're doing to someone or they're doing to you Mm-hmm. which is really it's something important. you do with someone exactly exactly um yeah, yeah so let so yeah teenager super horny really mm-hmm. wanted to have sex but didn't <laughs> <laughs> i remember all my friends were having sex and mm. i was just like oh when god <laughs> so what was it that prevented you from i guess from doing it because you said there were opportunities and i can imagine as an attractive young woman mm. surely it wouldn't have been difficult for you to have sex if you wanted to get out there and do it yeah um i guess i just didn't meet the right person who i would feel mm. comfortable with mm-hmm. um or like i would be getting to know someone and i feel like it would be heading in that direction and we would stop talking or like mm. you know we didn't hit it off in the way that i thought we did Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so by the time I was 20, I was like rearing and like ready to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and throughout this like whole time where I was like a virgin, like people would still come to me for sex advice. That's so funny. And, because I was just very you open. Talk about it openly. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, it, it was a very normal thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would always ask my que- ask friends ask my friends questions about their sex lives, mm-hmm. and um, back then they were you know pretty shy about it. And I had a different group of friends as well. Yeah, but I just wanted to know everything, and I would listen to sex podcasts. Um, sex with Emily is a great one um, mm. that I haven't listened to in a few years. But back in high school, like I listened to it every day. She's a sexologist, oh, which yeah. inspired me to like get want to do sexology myself. Yeah. Um, but it's just such an important part of life. So even if you are single, you are still a sexual being. There are ways yeah. to satisfy yourself, which yeah. um, I guess I can get into when I'm talking about my story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, once I did start having sex, um, I was like, woo, like this <laughs> is it. This is sex. <laughs> I am a woman now. Like I felt so empowered. Um yeah, because I, I don't know. I guess I felt like I was finally an adult mm-hmm. and like doing what I wanted, and I kind of went on a rampage. Yeah, <laughs> well, you've been just... putting it off for so long, and then yeah. you finally experienced it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I wasn't in a relationship at the time. Mm. Um, it was something more casual, and mm-hmm. then you know I had like friends with benefits, that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember at the time like feeling so empowered because I had all of these people I guess wanting me um and being someone who was you know 
20 is still very young. Um, (laughs) You didn't have a strong identity at that point, or I guess the same connection I had with myself that I do these days. Um, So I just felt really gassed up and like um, I felt really sexy. I felt powerful. I felt like I was on top of the world, right? Um, Mm. And that didn't last for that long (laughs) because I got to a point where – I would realize like, well, these men don't actually give a fuck about me. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm having sex with them and they're having sex with me, but it wasn't that satisfying. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, so during those experiences where you were hooking up with people, were you Mm -hmm. finding those experiences satisfying? Like, were they attending to your needs or was it more like you were just having sex and it it wasn't really doing anything for you? (laughs) Um, So... I guess at the start, I didn't really know any better. Mm. Like, uh, I definitely faked it at the start as well. I mean, I grew up, like, watching a lot of porn, and I feel like Mm. that definitely shaped my relationship with sex as well. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so it was pleasurable, but it wasn't anywhere close to, like, the sex that I have these days or with Mm -hmm. someone who Mm -hmm. I respect and trust and can communicate with you know it it was just like yeah it was good but I didn't know any better and it wasn't until like I started seeing someone regularly Mm -hmm. um uh, actually you know what though the first few guys I always thought like oh I I don't like being eaten out Mm. because like it never did anything for me Mm. up until I met someone who actually knew what they were doing and I was like oh were the first ones just tongue punching no like they were trying like (laughs) not like they weren't trying but they didn't know what they were doing okay or like I guess and I didn't know myself because I didn't have much experience either Mm. to know what I liked Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until I was with someone consistently as well because you Mm -hmm. really get to know someone's body um and I was like oh my god like so this is head like right yeah <laughs> I do like it the rest of it mm, yeah I get it now mm-hmm. which um, makes sense yeah um but yeah looking back I think it was more so like the attention than anything mm-hmm. um so I think like hookup culture it wasn't empowering me in the way that I thought it was mm-hmm. I think it was more so um the immediate gratification, the mm-hmm. attention, feeling wanted and desired, but in a way that was only physical and sexual. Yeah. Um, and as I got older, I realized that wasn't enough for me. Yeah, that's only um, one part of sex. It is. It is. Like the physical part of sex isn't really as important as people think it is. Yeah. Well, not yeah. on its own. On its like own. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something that I've experienced. I think mm. um, we can circle back to talking about hookup culture and culture and empowerment a little bit later because I definitely mm-hmm. have some things. And we actually had a few questions about that too. So we'll yeah. touch on that a bit later. Um, so I'll keep trucking along. So um, then came to a point where I was, you know, in relationships, sex was still a really big focus for me. Mm-hmm. Um And I think I had a sex dependency and Mm -hmm. I remember like looking up like, like, am I addicted to sex? Like, what does this mean? 
Um, yeah. So what happened in like, because I am like a very horny and sexual person, Mm -hmm. a lot of the relationships I had, they began with sex. Mm -hmm. And so it, I mean, sex is such an intimate, intimate thing. And you feel so closely connected to someone once you do that. Mm -hmm. And I think it sort of skips over all of the other forms of intimacy that are really Mm -hmm. important that take time to build. Like emotional connections and such. Connection, trust, um, all of those things that you go through over time. um, It can sort of really like fasten and intensify the process. um, And you're connected in the physical way before Mm. you are connected in these other sometimes more important ways. Um, And so when I was then in relationships – I didn't realize it at the time, but I became quite dependent on sex and it was Mm. more than just satisfying like a physical urge or wanting to feel connected to someone. Mm. It was that whenever I was not okay, I would use that um, to cope. So sex became a coping mechanism for me and it was so tied into um, like my personality that I couldn't separate you know, what was me like wanting to have have sex and enjoy and explore versus Mm. needing it because I'm not coping. Um, And I think I'm actually just sort of realizing it now in terms of timeline that that didn't happen until I was assaulted. Right. As in your realization of, of like separating the two. No, as in like, I'm just realizing now that I didn't have that dependency Mm. until um oh until after the assault yeah right I don't know if we're gonna keep this I'm I'm just literally realizing it now yeah (laughs) fuck I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking like timeline wise like because I so I think um like my relationship with sex changed significantly Mm. um after I was assaulted Mm. um so it is hard to talk about. You kind of choke. It's hard to talk about, right? It is. So just um, for the listeners, we tried to do my story the first time around, and I thought I was fine to talk about it, but then I couldn't even <laughs> couldn't even choke out my sentences. So we got yeah. Cindy to go first instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's proving more difficult to talk about than we mm-hmm. thought it would be. But yeah, and I, yeah. I like just I think it is so important to talk about as well mm. because. Almost every woman I know has been assaulted in some yeah, in form some, or another. In some form to some degree, right? Yeah. yeah. Throughout and the course don't of their talk lives. About it. No. And it it's yeah, it's so important because we can't keep we can't let people get away with it and hmm. we shouldn't feel shame for something that happened to us. Yeah, if you don't talk about it, you just end up carrying that shame around with exactly. you and feeling like you're at fault or you're the only one or, mm. you know, w- whatever the situation might be. Whereas I yeah. think if you hear, like the more you hear people talking about mm. it or sharing their story, the more you can process what happened to you, maybe have realizations yeah. about your own situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just having someone to relate to is really helpful. Yeah. If you are sure. like someone that has experienced something similar as yeah. most women have. So. Yeah. Which is like why we are talking about it as hard as <laughs> it is to mm-hmm. even say these things sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was assaulted um, 
it's been a fair few years ago now um Mm. and it happened while I was in a relationship Mm -hmm. um so it wasn't by the person I was in a relationship with but someone else right um and it was actually someone that was like an allied health professional so yeah someone I trusted and like oh my god that's shocking (laughs) yeah yeah um and so when that happened I like I'm dissociating right now talking about it. Yeah, it's really hard, right? Yeah, it is. Um, I completely put it in the far, 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 far box at the back of my mind Mm -hmm. and swept it as it didn't happen. And I didn't tell anyone for a long time after that. Mm -hmm. It just – I never told my partner that I was with at the time. Um, Mm. I I didn't tell anyone. I – I freaked the fuck out. And mm-hmm. at the time I didn't realize that, that it was an assault. Like yeah. I, I knew I felt wrong, like not wrong. I felt bad. Like something yeah, felt like, wrong. Something is not right. And it takes yeah. time to place those feelings, right. To mm-hmm. actually figure out why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Yeah. And yeah. it's the, your, your way of coping because you need to get on. You need to mm-hmm. keep going with life. And mm-hmm. sometimes that means, to protect yourself, you need to separate yourself completely and comp- mm-hmm. compartmentalize this experience as yep. something that just happened, didn't happen to you, uh, don't really know, don't know how to process this, and it's just going to go away for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it took me like many years of therapy um, to actually acknowledge it as an assault um and then at a point now where I can talk about it and I've like told my mum about it which is probably wow. like one of the hardest things I've ever had to do yeah. um and I'm at a point now where I'm going to report about it um oh wow good for you yeah it's just been like really scary to do because um I think the biggest fear for me was like what if they don't believe me yes um, oh my god <laughs> you know like yeah. because it wasn't violent or like um what you know the typical sense of what assault would look like then it then it wasn't um then it might be my fault you know but you know what I've come to realize Mm. through my own experience and through stories I've heard from a lot of like girlfriends of mine Mm -hmm. is that what we imagined the like typical experience of like rape or sexual assault to be mm-hmm. is actually not so typical. It's it not usually like a violent mm. experience, like a violent incident in an alleyway. It's mm-hmm. usually somebody you know, somebody yeah. you trust. It's usually a situation that isn't so clear cut where mm-hmm. you can like point at it and be like, look what they did to me. It's usually exactly. a little bit more nuanced than that. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, where people really struggle to come to terms with what mm-hmm. might, like, may have happened to them as well. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah, so I put that in the faraway box um, mm-hmm. and I didn't sort of deal with it for a long time. And I think that was when the that was the big switch when sex became a coping mechanism for me. So mm-hmm. um, in the relationships after that, like any time I wasn't feeling okay, I would reach out to my partner or whoever I was with for sex mm-hmm. and then that would be like a Band-Aid that would um, mm-hmm. tide me over. And so I then became sort of dependent on these people because 
they were helping me cope through sex. So then I stayed in, you know, relationships or situationships for way longer than I should have just because the sex was so good and the sex was then being used as a coping mechanism for me. So like, you know, there's this one particular person that all my friends will know immediately who I'm talking about um, (laughs) and I should have like stopped that whole thing, you know, years um, before it ended but I sort of stayed with him because I felt like I needed I needed that and mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to have sex with like someone random um, mm-hmm. because we had built a level of trust and um, intimacy um, and the sex was really really good um, yeah. which is hard to find <laughs> yeah which is what I'm hearing these days it's tough yeah. out there let me tell you yeah <laughs> Can't wait to hear your side of things. But yeah, the sex was amazing. Um, and like there was an element of um, that was different was like the kink aspect as well. Um, mm-hmm. So for those that don't know, like I practice BDSM. So that's bondage, discipline, sadism and masochism. So under, you know, the realm of kinks, um, which has like another element of, you know, like the dom-sub relationship too, Yeah, um, which can – yeah, which we can get into another podcast if that's something people want to hear about, or I can even do like a YouTube video all about that stuff. Yeah. Um, or on my Instagram at Cinegoshares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the more, I guess, like nitty gritty questions that people were asking, I think Cindy's going to answer over on her Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, maybe that can be something that you talk about there probably. I think, yeah. Because people are curious about it. Yeah. So that aspect made things a little extra confusing as well, mm. um, especially when it comes to consent. <laughs> so in what way would it become difficult in terms of consent? Well, well, I think in terms of like, um, like the dynamic between a dom and a sub, like mm-hmm. you need to sort of submit to your dom, yeah. right? Um, but what happens when you're not, you know, in the play anymore and you are just you and you don't actually want to continue with this scene, right. um, but your dom is telling you to continue and they think that this is you playing. So it's and hard like, to differentiate. I, yeah. And I understand that there is a safe word as well. Um, mm-hmm. what if you say it and they still continue? What if they mm-hmm. get violent? Um, mm-hmm. what if in the moment you feel confused as well, yeah. you know, which happens, or you change your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So it was a confusing time for me. <laughs> and yeah. then um, after all that, I was celibate for six to eight months. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So <laughs> it went from like needing sex constantly mm-hmm. um, to then being like, I made a very conscious decision. It started off with just one month, um, just just to see what that would be like. Um, and then the longer I went without sex, the more I realized that, yes, like I have hormones, I'm horny, I have mm-hmm. the need for touch and all of that. But a lot of it was really just this almost like impulsive desire to – fix or to regulate my emotions when I wasn't okay yeah 
which and I realized that doing through sex through sex and that that had really impacted my relationship with sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and so taking that away, which was quite a, an extreme way to do it, made me mm. sort of turn inwards and figure out what my own sexuality is um, and how to enjoy myself and enjoy pleasure without anyone else too, which is a yeah. really important thing for, for my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I feel, I'm at a place where like, I want to start having sex with people again, um, post-lockdown, of course. (laughs) Yeah. And so, like, after, like, my experience with celibacy and everything, I wanted all my future relationships to build upon, like, like a friendship and getting to know each other um, before, like, jumping into sex, whether that is online or not. Mm -hmm. Because when you go sex first, I think it it is a different level of intimacy. um, Mm -hmm that I would prefer for my relationships to build and grow um, based off of getting to know each other and spending time together rather Mm. than um, through sex. Yeah. Yeah. That That was actually one of the questions that we got from a listener. I think we can probably touch on that a little bit Mm. more later. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. So does that bring us pretty much up to date with you now with your celibacy Mm -hmm. (laughs) until So uh, single celibate and horny, but (laughs) not really ready oh no I am ready to like get I'm, I'm like getting to know people at the moment yeah, um but I would like to there. yeah yeah get to know someone before jumping into anything physical with them mm-hmm. from this point on yeah wow <laughs> there you go so, um, here we are. so Cara tell me what your experience with sex has been like and what you know, your relationship with sex is now. Right. <laughs> okay. So I will start from the beginning, I think too. Um, not going to go into as much detail as I tried to before, because that mm-hmm. was surprisingly difficult to talk about. Um, but I guess in essence, my relationship with sex was difficult from the get-go. Um, my first ever experience with sex was non-consensual, Um, and following that, I was just afraid of sex Mm. for like a good few years afterwards. Um, It happened when I was quite, yeah, it happened when I was quite young. I was 15. Mm. Um, and I think during that time is when other people started to have sex, Mm. um, like in, you know, towards late high school, like early uni and people were having good positive experiences with sex, Mm -hmm. you know, with their boyfriend or um, with people that they trusted. And I was kind of like, I want that, but I was still like pretty scarred from my first experience. Mm. Um, In fact, my first several experiences with sex were all quite negative. Mm. Um, Negative in what way? Like, being pressured into it I would say Mm. um so yeah the first experience I had after my initial one was also um yeah it was I was very much like pressured into it Mm. um but yeah following that um my I guess my more healthy relationship with sex or my good experience with sex began when I was in an actual relationship Mm -hmm. um And I think that does come down to like having that mutual respect and trust and the fact that we had built our relationship on 
like an emotional level, at least a little bit before mm-hmm. we started having sex, mm. which I think is what I needed myself. I know I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the case for every relationship or for everyone. Um, that was one of the questions we got as well was like, do you think you can um, have sex with someone on the first date and still mm. have a relationship? And I think you absolutely can. Oh, hell but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like how many stories do you hear where um, people like met on Tinder and it was meant to be, mm. you know, like a one night stand and turned into a relationship. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think um, with where I was at, having had like such negative experiences with sex, it was really important in order to, for me to have good sex with someone. Um, there definitely had to be like an emotional basis or at least like a trust basis mm. to it. That's the key um, word here, like good sex. Yeah. Good sex. Anyone mm-hmm. can have sex. It's hard yeah. to find good sex. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then we were together for a few years and that was all good. Um, and then after we broke up, so after that first proper relationship of mine, um, I did the classic, like, you know, character building hoe phase after a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> it builds so much character and it's so necessary to, like, yeah. have sex with different people as well. Yeah, and see know, what's out figure there. out what you like and what is out there. Yeah, but. I was met with disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> so, Say um, more. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think um, a lot of that is probably my fault too for just maybe for not being as selective as I should have been mm. um, or for like a lot of them were just like one-night stand type of hookups. Mm. Um, and generally I think the first time that you have sex with someone – is not going to be your best time, right? Like you don't really know each other. Mm. You haven't gotten to know each other yet. Mm. Um, and But with a lot of them, like the experiences were just so average or so disappointing mm. that like I wouldn't even consider going back to give them mm-hmm. a second chance. Um, Why was that though? Well, <laughs> I just – okay, I guess this kind of ties in with like the hookup culture thing that we'll touch on mm-hmm. um, in a bit more detail. But I think the way that men have sex with women when they think it's just a hookup, mm. in my experience anyway, has been very different to the way men have sex with women in a relationship. Mm. So what I experienced was that pretty much every guy I hooked up with was only in it for themselves. Yeah. Like, you know, like in movies when the guy will just like finish and then roll over and start Ugh. trying to have like a casual conversation, like sex is over Yeah, as soon as they finish. Yeah. Um, that was very much my experience with the majority of, of people that I've hooked up with. Oh my God. Um, that is so true. Like yeah. I, um, do you mind if I like interject for a sec? No, cut in, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, like for most of my young adult life, like when I first mm-hmm. started having sex, I thought that sex always had to end when the guy comes and that is not true especially when you start having sex with women as well where Mm. you know um I mean there's obviously the biological factor of yes the penis will go soft once they come but (laughs) that doesn't mean that sex is over because sex is Mm. it's it's just physical touch and pleasure 
you know? Mm, sex is more than just penetration. I wish men could get that through oh their heads. Oh, God. Sex is not just penetration. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> there are so many ways to feel pleasure. Um, mm. I remember the first time I had sex, um, and I, I, I've told you this story before, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was really great sex. And, you mm. know, um, I think he came pretty quickly um, mm. once once we, you know, started. But after that, then he, like, went down on me and I came, like, three times. Mm. And I remember at the time being like, oh, my God, like, he is incredible. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> and then as I got older and had more experiences, I realized mm. – that's normal. Like sex it just, should be. And it should be. And it shouldn't end just because the man comes. It well, ends when you both decide that sex is over. And it can yeah. also end before coming as well if that is something you're doing intentionally, like edging or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, or if that's just for whatever reason what the situation calls for. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have – I just feel like it's so ingrained in like – in especially with men that sex is over once they come. Mm. That's it. Um, and actually, so this is what happened. So side note, me and Cindy tried to record this podcast a couple of days ago, but I had um, a little meltdown about all my sexual trauma <laughs> that was <laughs> triggered by a TikTok. <laughs> Fucking TikTok. <laughs> Fucking TikTok ruins lives, I'm telling you. Um, but basically in this TikTok, these men were talking about um, like these women that had a high body count, basically the fact that they're broken because – men aren't making her come and they're like you've slept with 75 people like like whose fault do you really think it is um which (laughs) wow oh it just had me so triggered because oh hang on let me try and i need to get my laptop charger and then let me try Uh, i totally know what you mean what you're trying to say though yeah well because okay hang on i need to try and Segue from what I was I saying. need a fart. <laughs> <laughs> Let it out. Oh, good. The mic would have okay. picked it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have fun <sighs> editing that part. <laughs> Leave it in there. <laughs> no. um, yeah, anyway, so the reason that that TikTok, I think, triggered me so badly was because that had been my experience with a lot of people that I'd hooked up with where – you know, they didn't make me come. Sex was over as soon as they, you know, they finished. And then I'm just sitting there feeling used, like yep. used and abused. <laughs> literally. It was like um, you were just a hole for their pleasure. Literally. And like the worst part, I think, is the way that um, they'll act really casual afterwards too, like as if it's just the most normal thing in the world, like mm. no shame about it. And I'm like, maybe that that could just be like an ego cover up where their egos, you know, like they finish too quickly and they mm. they know that they didn't make you come, and then they're just trying to like, like you know, play it off, play it cool mm-hmm. by being like, sorry, oh, do you listen anyways. to Flume? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Flume, that's how I know you bang white guys. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, anyways, yeah. So with that, that feeling of being used, I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes in afterwards, where you start to feel like, well, even if you consented to having sex with that person, right? It almost feels like you consented to a 
like an experience that would be mutually pleasurable, right? Mm. Or, you know, you were consenting to something different to what actually eventuated. Mm -hmm. So I feel like um, that there are situations where for me it kind of like fell into a gray area where I might not have like chosen to sleep with them, but I kind of just went along with it. And had the sex been good, I probably would have felt okay about it. Mm. But the fact that the sex then turned out to be either like just a really straight up horrible experience because that mm. was so bad <laughs> oh, <laughs> or like something, you know, where it's kind of going okay for a little bit and then mm. they're done and then you're like, oh, is that it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like just oh. disappointing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Those type of experiences that make you then afterwards feel like, like kind of question whether you really consented to it or not, because you're like, I didn't really consent to being used like that. Mm. Like, if you did end up in that situation, you at least thought that you were going to have a good time with it too. Mm-hmm. And then when you have a shit time, it just makes you feel like really disgusted, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. You know what though? Like when I feel like across the board for mm. um, like all, all the girls that I know and everything like that, like when we have sex, we're trying to make them feel good. We want them yeah. to feel pleasurable, right? Yeah. And we want to make them come. Why isn't yeah. it the same? Yeah, and I mean, like, not to say that, like, you never find guys like that. Yeah, of course. Because they're out there. (laughs) Definitely. But I think the the culture as a whole is very much, like, men are just there to get their nut and get out. Mm. Or even, like, like seeing stuff on Twitter, like, um, you know, like, I only will eat a woman out if I'm in a relationship with her. Like, Yeah, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> but they still expect you to suck their dick. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if you if you want to do that, like that's your body, your choice, whatever, right? But don't mm-hmm. expect something different in return. Yeah. You know? Like it's yeah. just ridiculous. I think just, oh, just the, the things that I see in here sometimes just make me so disgusted, like about mm. the way that men view sex with women. Mm. Um, and I've just had – more than my fair share of experiences with men that clearly think that way. And mm. it, maybe it wasn't clear until after I've, you know, mm-hmm. and, until after I've hooked up with them. Yeah. And then I realize like what they really like. And I'm like, I can't believe I like let you into my body or I can't believe that I let you like know me on that level. Mm. Um, so a lot of regrets basically. <laughs> Like, we should have control Z in real life, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what's your um, relationship with sexuality now? Well, at the moment, I am pretty off men. Mm. <laughs> in general, like, I ha- I've just gotten to the point where I've had so many experiences that were so negative or so disappointing. And I think I've come to realize that my only, like, truly satisfying sex came from relationships um Mm. so I think most of that is to is due to the fact that men suck (laughs) (laughs) and and that the men that I was with were just generally not great Mm. but um I think there's probably also another factor which is that I guess the emotional connection does play a big role for me Mm. um so (laughs) well then there's also the fact that I don't want a relationship right now. Yeah. So at the moment, I think I'm just going to do the celibacy thing Mm. for a little while. So it's like, it's, 
like the choices that you're 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 left with it's either see no one because you don't want to be in a mm-hmm. relationship right now or if you do want sex like the sex will most likely be bad mm-hmm. which is like the well i'd rather just fuck myself yeah like i don't feel like going through a whole bunch more guys trying to find someone to have decent sex mm-hmm. with on a casual basis yeah when i could just okay not. um to our listeners Mm-hmm. Um, if any of you are decent men or women <laughs> that find Carla attractive no. and know what you're doing and respect women um, and would like a casual hookup <laughs> no, I don't even that is mutually that. satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the thing. I'm like, I'm so off sex at the moment. Or like, I'm just so off. Mm. <laughs> I think I'm off the idea of like intimacy with anyone. Mm. But I guess that... <laughs> That also ties into something that a lot of people were asking, which is the idea of whether we're truly empowering ourselves the way we think we are by being overly sexual or by, um, like, by hookup culture. Mm, that's a really great question. And I think it is very dependent on the person and the situation as well. Like, mm. I did have moments where I felt really empowered and free to do as I please with who I want mm-hmm. to. And mm-hmm. I felt confident in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also ties into other things like, well, for me anyway, like your ego, um, feeling just, I guess, wanting to be wanted um, mm. and making it uh, – I guess it made me feel valued, but not in the right way. Yeah. So I feel like, you know. Like a sense of validation. Yeah, definitely. So much validation. Um, And I feel like if I, like as a person I am now, where I am feeling very confident in Mm. who I am um, Mm. and I'm not, even though I am seeking validation here and there by posting a thirst trap on Twitter, like, yeah, sometimes I want that instant oh, yeah. serotonin and that dopamine <laughs> heat, like, you know. Um, but, like, I'm not using um, sex to then feel that way and feel in mm. love with myself. I think that I for, for a lot of the time when I was having casual sex, um, I just wanted to feel wanted um, right. without – I guess, committing to a relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's cool as well if that's what you're you're after. Um, but I think it can be easy to confuse the two, especially when you're young. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Versus Definitely. having like the maturity I have now. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I guess it's a sort of hard question to answer. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what do you think? Well... I think my experience is probably quite different to yours, but I think um, my participation in hookup culture, um, I probably should have mentioned this before when I was explaining like my relationship with sex, but I think a lot of it was actually part of like a coping mechanism, coping mechanism of like as a result of what had happened to me in the past. Mm. Um, I think it was easier for me to start thinking of sex as something that was casual, not a big deal, um, like as a way to deal with the fact, like what had happened. Mm. 
Because if you start thinking of it like this huge deal, like I can't believe that that person took, you know, that violated me or took mm. my liberty or like whatever it is, however you want to look at um, like a sexual assault. Yeah. Like if you start viewing sex as something like really nonchalant, like not a big deal, mm. then those things that have happened to you suddenly seem a lot smaller. Yes. Yes. So I think totally. that was, a, yeah, that was a big part of, um, I guess, why I was like participating in hookup mm. culture, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. Um, it's like a very common thing as a result of trauma as well to either mm-hmm. completely go away from it or to mm-hmm. become like hypersexual as a way to cope mm-hmm. as well. And I've definitely done both at mm. different stages of my life following yeah. different incidents of assault because I mm-hmm. have a fairly long list of mm. <laughs> of assaults. Yeah. Um, and actually that's something else that I wanted to touch on too and another thing that came up a lot in um, in the questions we got was mm-hmm. – consent as yeah. I guess as a concept mm-hmm. <laughs> um and I think I was actually talking to one of my one of my guy friends about it recently mm-hmm. and he was kind of asking like what is the best way to make sure that there is consent right mm. um and I'm like well obviously if you don't know the best thing to do is to ask yeah even though it's like a little bit of a um I guess like a mood kill in a sense, but it doesn't have to be a big, like, do you consent to this? Like it can Mm. just be, are you sure this is okay? Like, are you sure you want to keep going? And I feel like Mm. that can be enough. Um, Yeah. It it is like a very um, like interesting topic as well, because mm. like, you know, especially after the me too movement, and mm. people coming out about their sexual assaults and stuff like that. Um, and we now know like the importance of consent and how that line is crossed so often. But there's also the other factor of like the sexiness and like mm. the dance of power in sex too. Um, yeah. And I can understand where there is a quote unquote gray area mm. because, you know, like you you want someone to sort of take charge sometimes mm-hmm. um and push for that but there are ways to check in like to by like looking at someone's body language how they're right. receiving you by asking is like do you like what i'm doing um mm-hmm. can i go further is this okay mm-hmm. like it doesn't mm-hmm. like like you said it doesn't have to be like this clinical do you consent yeah like we're not signing a waiver form but yeah. I think yeah literally one of the easiest ways is just being like is this okay mm. or like are you sure and then like yeah give, you know mm. um and I think um another big thing that contributes to consent being kind of difficult to discern sometimes is this assumption that the default is yes unless mm otherwise stated mm. which it shouldn't be the mm. default should really be well in my opinion you should assume that there isn't consent unless mm. it's like blatantly obvious that there mm-hmm. is um and I think that's how a lot of women also fall into the trap of kind of quote unquote consenting to things that they maybe like don't actually want to do mm-hmm like ending up in a situation where you feel like you should like go ahead with something 
or you know you've got you've come that far you've gotten yourself into that situation um Mm -hmm. and like it's too late to say no or you know like that type of thing that resonates so much (laughs) yeah so I saw this TikTok the other day (laughs) count the number Mm -hmm. of times I I start off a sentence with I saw this TikTok (laughs) um but it was this girl it's like the the trend where they have a realization in the middle of the TikTok and she was saying like I think to the guy that she was with oh no I don't want to make out because then we're gonna have sex Mm. and then he was like why do you think that and then she was like oh shit why do I think that Mm. and it's just because you've been so conditioned to the idea that like if this happens then sex will follow like if you do this then you then have to oh my god so true yeah which just to be clear you do not have to. You do not have yeah. to oblige. You do not have to go ahead with sex if you don't want to. Mm. Um, or even if there was a point where you wanted mm. to, if you if something changes in that moment and you don't feel safe or you don't want to continue, you can stop and you don't owe them shit. Yeah. So you can see I'm getting fired up because this is something that obviously I've experienced mm-hmm. um, and it got to the point where, like, I had to remove myself from the situation, go into the bathroom and be like, no, like I don't want to continue with this. And mm-hmm. it's still sort of – I still felt like I had to because Yeah, you was, still feel like you're in the wrong, like you're taking something yeah. away from them that you that you should have given mm. or that you should have – oh, my God, I'm getting really angry yeah. too. <laughs> mm. um, and I think like this is probably one of the things that people find really hard to admit to. Like mm. for me, this is one of the things that was really hard for me to come to terms with until I started speaking to other girls about it mm. and realizing that other people had actually experienced the same thing mm-hmm. because there's like a huge sense of shame in like knowing that you kind of played a part in your own assault by like allowing mm. it to happen when you shouldn't have mm-hmm. uh, or when you realize that yeah. like maybe you should have said no more clearly or whatever which isn't like like it's never your fault but like it's Mm. that shame that you carry with knowing Mm -hmm. that you could have maybe like handled the situation better or Mm. like that regret of like not standing up for yourself Mm -hmm. um and I think that's probably something that would resonate with a lot of people yeah I think it's so important in relationships where casual um it's a long commitment whatever it is you need to talk about sex Mm -hmm. you need to like not during it, you know, as in, yeah. like, but in a place where like you have, you have a talk about your relationships and things that you care about, you're interested about, sex mm-hmm. should be on there as well about, yeah. you know, what is okay, what's not okay for you. If you are into, you know, the harder kinks, like um, consensual non-consent, which mm-hmm. the whole point of that is it's consensual non-consent. Yeah, okay. keywords. So, yeah, it is very sexy to um, – uh, like for a lot of people, uh, a rape fantasy is very normal. Mm. It's very, very, very common. Um, mm. But it's a fantasy and it's something that you consent to prior ahead of time. And, you know, mm-hmm. you should talk about what the hard boundaries are, um, have a safe word um, mm-hmm. and sort of have a plan. If, if it, things go awry and it's gone past the point of what you're comfortable with, how do you stop? you know? Yeah. And you discuss this so that both parties know, and it's not like you're rejecting them, but it's, you've gone to a place where you no longer feel safe and comfortable and you need to stop. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you need, you need to talk about these things. Um, I think that, oh, sorry. Okay. I interrupted. <laughs> um, I think that's also where things like aftercare, like really mm-hmm. come into it too. Um, yeah. 
yeah, with like with managing a situation like that where things maybe have gone too far or where you're not that mm. comfortable with what's happened, um, a lot of I think the trauma can be managed by good aftercare or like good mm-hmm. communication with the person, um, yeah. as opposed to acting like nothing happened. Hell yeah, aftercare is everything. Yeah, should we jump into some questions, or have we covered like most of what we wanted to? Um, I reckon we'll like get into it through the questions as well, which will be super fun. Yeah. All right. Why don't we just jump into some listener questions Mm -hmm. now? Um, So I think we've covered all of the consent topic. Okay. So there were quite a few questions about hookup culture. This one's kind of a multi-parted question, um, but hookup culture and the emotions behind it the need for more sex ed, effects of contraception, and how to gently tell your partner that they smell bad. (laughs) Okay, where should we start? I think we talked about hookup culture and emotions behind it already. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cindy. Um, How to gently tell your partner they smell bad. Um, Yeah, Um, for me, because I've been in this experience before. um, (laughs) so what I did is just well I was very honest in that um for me scent is something that I am very sensitive to and I really love Mm. and enjoy um Mm. so you know I've been I was like you know after the gym like I can smell you a little bit extra so I would appreciate it if you like put on some deer or like have a shower or something like that like you know you don't have to be like you stink but Mm. like it's something I notice and that's okay like sometimes people will smell it's not a big deal as long as they just look after themselves yeah I feel like that's also part of like being intimate with someone is realizing that like you will probably like you're you're in their very close proximity like you're, you're in their cavity have... <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but also being mindful of the fact that someone is in that proximity of you mm. is probably like something to keep in mind with your personal hygiene too yeah so it goes for sure yeah, both ways um, effects of contraception, I think, is something that people are starting to talk about more. I think a lot mm. of girls are realizing that contraception is probably having, like, wreaking havoc on their body in ways yes. that we didn't even realize was being attributed to like, mm. birth control. I think this could be, like, a whole topic of its own because there mm. is just so much to talk about in terms of hormones, contraception, um, mm-hmm. that we could really, like, break it down. Mm-hmm. But, um, really talk to your doctor, talk to your friends about what sort of symptoms you have in terms of your mood, weight Mm -hmm. gain, um, Mm -hmm. mental fog, all of those things because they can be impacted. And like what Cara and I were talking about earlier um, off the pod is that you don't realize how irregular some of your symptoms can be because you're just so used to it. That becomes your every day until you talk to someone about it and they're like, no, bitch, like that's not normal. (laughs) Well, yeah, because a lot of women are on the pill from maybe like late teens right up until their mid-20s or so. Mm. And obviously, like you're going through all types of hormonal and like mood changes and Mm -hmm. all types of things that you're not realizing. Like it's hard to differentiate like what mood changes are being caused by other factors and what's actually being, Mm. I guess, caused or exacerbated by hormonal contraception. But yeah, definitely I think that's something that we could – delve into mm-hmm. deeper yeah. um separately um also the need for more sex ed i think um we did kind of touch on that i think one of the biggest things is that sex ed shouldn't focus 
so much on only like the physical components of sex, um, but also like the importance of consent and like the emotional aspects and things that like all all the things that we just talked about that play into like the bigger picture of what yes. sex is because mm-hmm. sex ed very much only covers I think the physical and often more male related mm-hmm. aspects of sex yeah mm-hmm. the holistic approach to sex yeah exactly yeah um someone asked our thoughts on the stigma around body counts ridiculous stupid <laughs> who cares how many people you have sex with why mm-hmm. you have sex with them mm-hmm. only it matters to you you're like um, also none of anyone else's business yeah like yeah we had a few people asking our body count too but i don't think that's <laughs> i don't think oh really yeah there were like three questions asking our body count but i don't think that's constructive like there's no. nothing like i i if that's something that like my intimate partner wanted to know like all my friends mm-hmm. know like I have no issue talking about it um mm-hmm. but why do you care yeah like what like I think you have to really interrogate like why it's mm. an issue yeah um yeah I also think there's a very different standard when it comes to women and men mm-hmm. like women will shame sorry men will shame women for having a high body count which is funny to me because I feel like men's body counts would be a lot higher if they could actually get women <laughs> so true <laughs> anyways um oh i really like this question i'll read this one out to you um in a long-term relationship how do you balance yours and your partner's random sexual urges and tensions a lot of the time my partner and i are at an imbalance where he feels like having sex all week and i don't and vice versa mm-hmm well, I didn't feel all that qualified to to answer this question, so I actually asked one of my friends mm. um, about her experience because she's been with her partner for, like, around 10 years now, mm-hmm. um, and they still have, like, a really healthy, thriving sex mm-hmm. life. Um, and her response was just to make sure you're communicating about sex mm-hmm. um, and trying new things, I mm-hmm. think, just to keep to kind of keep the spark alive, although this question does seem to be asking – it looks like they both want to, mm-hmm. but are just having trouble at different times coordinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is. Um, I mean, this is so common. Even like um, people having, you know, sometimes for most people, they will be typically mm. horny more so at certain times, like mm. at the morning or at night. And sometimes your schedules don't line up, and your libidos don't line up, and that's mm. like a normal part of being in relationships. Um, mm. I think it's really important to take into account um that they're not feeling rejected and it's not that i don't want to have sex with you it's just i'm having a lull at the moment mm-hmm. um and like you know you can have sex or partake in sex without actually having sex as well so mm. like if the partner one of them is very very horny and the other one doesn't feel like it well what if you masturbate and you can um like I can talk dirty to you or whatever mm. it is. Like there are ways to go about it as well. And it's, again, it comes down to communicating. Yeah. I think communication is kind of key there. Mm. Um, and I think also if you're in a relationship with someone, it it is really important that that's something that you feel that you're able to talk about. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, I'm just going to skip to this one for now. Mm -hmm. So if your partner is perfect in every way but terrible at sex, do you stay or leave them? (laughs) Such a good question. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And also, like, this question itself is like, well, why don't you just be polyamorous? But anyway... (laughs) Mm, that's a whole different that's a whole different thing (laughs) whole different thing obviously that would um depend on both parties being okay with that too of course Um, assuming that's not the case (laughs) Mm um because i feel like sex can be improved with communication to an extent but there still has to be like a a level of compatibility there too to begin with do you think that someone can be terrible at sex yes (laughs) like that it could not be worked on Yes. Really? I literally, we have nicknames for some of my hookups. One of them is Finger Bang of Doom. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, I think that one could apply to a few different people. Yeah, what's with that? Like, finger banging. I just have no idea. Oh, God. But But like, you can can teach them. Sorry? You can teach them. I guess so. I guess maybe if I was like really in love with him or something, but I was not. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. It's like context, um, but within this context, they're your partner. They're perfect in every way, but they're mm. terrible at sex. How did you get that far into the relationship to know they're perfect in every way with them still being terrible at sex? <laughs> no, a lot of people don't have sex until like much later on in the relationship too. Mm. So, um, I think one, like, if you cannot improve it, like, if you can try to communicate, ask for what you need, um, and they want to, you know, make you feel good, but they cannot, like, they just mm. literally cannot, it just comes down mm. to how important is sex to you. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. for different people, it's a different priority, I guess. Mm. Um, okay, I think the next two are kind of linked. So thoughts about your partner watching porn. Um, and does masturbation ruin your sex life with your partner? Do you, you don't think they're linked? No, 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 no. I, I was just um, <laughs> reacting to the second question. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no, I actually think, because I, I, I can imagine, like, your stance on that, that second question, mm-hmm. um, but I do know people that have maybe fallen down the hole of, like, porn addiction or, like, mm like a problematic level of like porn watching and like Mm -hmm. masturbation, which has negatively impacted their sex life. Yeah. No, I've been there too. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, you know, like that thing you hear about where like you become desensitized. Yeah. It's very, very common. Porn can be pretty shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, And then when you have like, I guess like normal, like vanilla sex or just maybe less extreme sex Mm -hmm. with a person, um, I guess like your threshold Mm-hmm. for like arousal is a lot higher from yeah. things that you've been mm-hmm. watching like in porn yeah yeah so yeah well what are your thoughts on that cindy mm. well if it's in the case what about what you described because that's been mm. one of my exes as well um mm. if that's something that they know is making an impact on your sex life and you know how they're performing um mm. then that's something that would be important to change you know it's all dependent Mm -hmm. on the context but in like a general sense like I don't think porn watching there's anything wrong with that I feel like it's very normal and innate to want to see and be stimulated by other people and other things um Mm -hmm. and I don't think masturbation would ruin your sex life at all unless it's excessive 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that I think ties into also a question we got with should guys get jealous when their girl uses a vibrator? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, you can't – I forget. This is a podcast, but I'm reacting with my face. and, and Yeah, like, she was making a face. <laughs> um, use it during sex. Like, why would you be jealous of an inanimate object? Like, they are it's not the there to replace thing. you. It's because they think that, like, oh, what, so I can't please you? You have to use a vibrator. Do you reckon maybe, like, <laughs> this person is not being pleased by their boyfriend and therefore using a vibrator? <laughs> It could be, you know. Could be. Could also could just be. be. Could also be not like. Yeah, it could be. You can anything. still be perfectly fulfilled by your partner and still also use a vibrator. Yeah, like um, for my sex having friends, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, like they have really really fantastic sex. Oh, this also ties into the other question of like mm. when your libidos are mismatched. You know, mm-hmm. like you can enjoy and masturbate and use toys. Um, if your partner isn't in the mood, it doesn't mean that you need to deprive yourself as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I think um, like masturbating is like a beautiful thing, or it can be, um, mm-hmm. and it's a way to connect with yourself and do things that you can't do with someone else around too. Mm-hmm. It's a different experience, and there's nothing wrong with that, and it can enhance a sex life. But again, depends on the like specific situation. Yeah. Um, I also think in, in that case it can be – well, pretty much with all of these things, it's important to talk about. <laughs> mm. Like talk about with your friends, talk about with your partner because, um, yeah, like the communication could maybe clear a lot of things up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the next questions are relating to STIs. Mm-hmm. So thoughts on having sex with someone who has contracted an STI mm-hmm. or how to bring up – I guess, with your partner when they last got – oh, sorry, how to bring up when they last got tested for STDs for mm-hmm. a fling. Great so, great questions. Yeah. These are, yeah. I think, things that are kind of hard to navigate. Mm. Um, I'll start off with the second one, um, how mm-hmm. to bring up – so this is, like, my personal rule. Before I hook up with anyone, I will always ask when they were less, last tested. Mm-hmm. So – you know, like back in the day, if this was like a casual hookup and I didn't know them very much before, like before we get start getting into it, I will just ask because um, it's just important for me to know. Um, yeah. I guess not everyone is comfortable with just asking outright. So like why else could you do, do you think? Um, Just insist on using protection if you mm. are uncertain. I think also if it's something that – like maybe isn't discussed like a heat of the moment thing or like yeah. you know you've gone home with someone mm-hmm. <laughs> um like from an event or like from from mm-hmm. the club or whatever um i get that yeah that might be something that's a little bit difficult to raise mm. um so in a situation like that i think just being careful mm. <laughs> using protection is probably your best bet yeah mm. that's true um yeah I don't know. I just ask. Honestly, it's not a big deal. Just ask. It's a very normal thing. Yeah, it yeah. should be. And I think, um, I think it's well in my experience, or from what I've observed, girls tend to be a lot more on top of like getting tested than guys are. Yes. <laughs> so 
<laughs> I feel like, guys, men, come on. like a lot of guys just don't give a shit or they just like assume mm. they're fine because they don't have physical mm. symptoms, maybe because they're yeah. genitalia on the outside. But remember, you can be a carrier and not display symptoms. So get yeah. tested regularly if you're having casual sex and mm-hmm. um, yeah, just be responsible. Like if you're old mm-hmm. enough to have sex, you're old enough to be responsible. Like it's mm-hmm. that easy. And the other question, um, thoughts on having sex with someone who has contracted an STI? Well, as long as they've treated it. Yeah, as long as it's it treated, is- it's all good. Like, it's yeah. just a an infection. It's like, it's like being like, would you have sex with someone who's contracted the flu? Well, yeah. Yeah, they don't have the flu now. They don't have mm-hmm. COVID now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as long as they've been tested, they're cleared, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, now these questions are also in the same vein. So is being a virgin in your mid-20s a turn-off? How do I tell the girl or guy I'm talking to before things pursue further? Mm-hmm. Um, and then another question was, is it normal for all your friends to have had sex before you? I feel like I'm missing out. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I think something to keep in mind like with that is that everyone is on their own path mm. there is no like right or wrong time yeah to have had sex mm-hmm. um and, and I honestly think you have to- oh sorry, sorry. <laughs> I-, I think you have to kind of interrogate like why it is that you're feeling like you're missing out or like why it is that like or maybe why it is that you haven't had sex mm. Mm. like I-, I think it's like scary that um, it's normalized for teenagers to have sex, mm-hmm. you know, like, especially like it, these days people are having sex at like 13 and it's like, your brain isn't even formed yet. That's terrifying. They're literally children. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're li- like, you know, um, so if someone's a virgin in their mid twenties, like I wouldn't find that a turn off. Um, mm-hmm. like I know I have friends who are in their mid twenties or are still virgins mm-hmm. as well. And that's someone's choice. And it's like, the virginity thing is not a big deal. At some point, everyone will have sex. Or if, you know, if you're an ace, you're asexual and you don't want to have mm-hmm. sex, that's cool too. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And I think um, a really important thing to keep in mind there is that, like, you should have sex because you want to have sex, not because mm. you feel like you should have sex. Mm-hmm. Like, I would much prefer to have had waited longer or to have been older when I Mm. lost my virginity than to just have like to have the experiences that I had when I was young Mm. so um yeah just make sure that if you do just decide to have sex you're doing it for the right reasons yeah exactly yeah okay um (laughs) do you want to touch on this one sure (laughs) this question is what do you do if your partner is vanilla and you're not um been there (laughs) (laughs) i think it's always like really important to talk about what you're interested in um Mm. i think for most people um for the majority of people especially in relationships you just want to make your partner feel good um Mm. and if you're in a trusting and loving relationship you should have that space to explore that Mm -hmm. um but at the end of the day some people just want normal sex and that's totally cool too. I'm not going to vanilla shame anyone. <laughs> <laughs> vanilla shame. Um, um, yeah. I think maybe just like a gentle introduction into some mm-hmm. kinks would probably be a place to start. Mm-hmm. Well, for most people in discovering kinks, like it probably has to be 
awakened somehow, right? Mm. So, yeah, like obviously talking about it and maybe just like finding things that you can explore mm-hmm. as like an introduction into yeah. into Kings is probably like exactly. a good place to start. Yeah. And like you don't know what you might like until you try it. So mm-hmm. I think as long as they've got an open mind um, mm-hmm. and they can see like how aroused you are. Um, mm. And trust. Like I think that this only applies yeah. to like a, a bond with like good trust. Mm, exactly. Um, mm. So it can work. It's not like a huge deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, oh, this kind of ties into the one before. How to talk about sex with your friends when you're the only one with a boyfriend in the friend group. I feel like I can't tell them I've done it because none of my friends have been in relationships and I don't want them to judge me. I'm mm. guessing this person's quite young by the sound mm. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think – well, your friends probably shouldn't be judging you for having sex with your boyfriend unless mm. there's some, I don't know, some extenuating factor making them them mm. judge that. Um, but I think it's important to talk about sex with your friends. I think just mm. having like an open discourse about things like this is kind of the key to like understanding things better. Yeah, growing, learning. Mm. Um. I think like a lot of the times you can just you might um assume that someone would be judging judgy as well and you don't know mm. until you ask so you can mm. always like um sort of just bring it up as like hey is this something you guys would want to talk about because it's something I'd like to share and then you can gauge the interest that way mm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay they're actually so we actually had several questions of I'm assuming there were girls asking about coming from penetration alone mm-hmm. whether it's possible mm-hmm. um it is well this is another thing that depends on the person too right because mm. i've heard a lot of girls say that they can't yeah i think it's generally more difficult but still possible for me anyway mm. uh, are we talking right now or just like to each other or like to the pod oh that was to the pod but <laughs> oh was it okay yeah. so I'll, I'll read the question yeah Mm-hmm. Okay, so and the question is, do you come with only penetration or do you need clitoral stimulation as well? Mm. So I think where actually a lot of girls probably have trouble with this is when maybe there's been like insufficient foreplay mm-hmm. because yeah. a lot of guys will just jump straight into penetration and think that, that that's enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got all these girls wondering like why they can't come from penetration, but really it's because like – there was nothing they else weren't to aroused. <laughs> they weren't aroused enough. <laughs> yeah, not enough. Yeah. yeah. I think this question is like it is very different um, and mm. based off of like what I know from friends um, and other vagina havers that I've spoken to about this is that mm-hmm. it's very different for everyone. Some can mm-hmm. only do it via penetration, some only through stimulation, some need both. Um, mm. So like with sex, you need to learn what it is with the specific person you're doing it with and explore. Try different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that ties into how do you talk to your partner about allowing toys into play? I can't believe that this is like an issue where like partners will not allow toys. Like that is so insane to me. Yeah, it's like more fun for both of you. <laughs> yeah, it's just enhancing the moment. So why wouldn't you? Yeah. 
It's like having some ice cream and being like, oh, do you want some like delicious toppings? Like, no, we can only have ice cream. We're not allowed toppings. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I think, um, well, people are asking like how, how to talk about it. Like, what do you mean how? Just, just talk about it. Just, just do it. it just bring it in. No, just no. Okay, I guess consent as no, well okay. because if they don't consent. To the- <laughs> no, but it's like it's not asking how do you do it. It's asking how do you talk about it. I think you just Mm-mm. have to bring it up. Yeah. Well, actually, okay, no. Sorry, let's – sorry, that was a little bit rude. Um, if, you, if you're really having trouble, like you don't know how to raise the question, just send them a link to like a toy and be like, thoughts? Mm. <laughs> or, like, or even you know, like, um, you know, it's something I've wanted to try. Like I would like to try that with you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it has to be like a sit them down at the dinner table and ask <laughs> them if they want to like you don't like it doesn't have to be a big deal just kind yeah. of test the waters by mm. just mentioning like oh I've thought about this what do you think? Send them this Type podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, send them <laughs> send them a link to the podcast. Um okay. So this question um this question actually has quite a few parts to it, and I think Cindy's going to answer like the majority of them over on her Instagram. Um, but one of the things that came up was shaved or unshaved. And I remember when I was young, this seemed like the biggest deal in the world. Did you ever have that experience? It was like, <gasps> uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that was yeah. probably because we watched so much porn and like you yeah. just think that you always have to be shaved. And I went but through actually, a phase. In- oh, sorry. What? Well, actually, in porn, I've noticed, though, a lot of the time the girls are rocking a bit of a bush. Mm, these days. Maybe, that, maybe back these then. Days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went through it. Like, I used to, like, I would shape every time before sex. Mm. Um, mm. And, like, I had some partners who were like, like, like it must be shaved. Mm. And I was like, huh. Which also, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, now, like, I don't really care. Like, I'll just do whatever. Like, it's... Mm. I think it's comes to like, like a, a come. It's come to a point where I don't give a fuck. Mm. Like I just do what I feel comfortable in. But when you are younger, you care so much about how you're perceived and what you yes. should do. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I also think, like, as much as I feel like a lot of guys do, like, push their preference on on girls about like shaved or unshaved mm. or whatever it is. Um, at the end of the day, I feel like if you got into a situation where you're like, oh my God, I haven't shaved, mm. like, I don't think a guy's going to be like, that's it. We're not having sex. Put it away. <laughs> Cause you haven't shaved. <laughs> well, actually, have you ever gotten into that situation where you're like, I'm not going to shave because I'm not going to hook up with anyone. <laughs> yes. In that situation and you're like, fuck. <laughs> yes. Many, many times, especially with this one particular guy who I was like, I'm not going to do it with him again. Like, this is going to Yes, be, it's always this, I'm going to end it and then I'm like, I'm not shaving and then lo and behold. <laughs> but on the flip side of that, there's also the, like, where you're like, nothing's going to happen. But then your friend's like, did you shave? And you're like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. It just shows, like, the preparation that was involved. But in mm. terms of shaved or unshaved, do whatever the fuck you want. doesn't matter. Literally do whatever you want. I mean, like, yeah. for, I, I don't know if that was asking, like, whether we shave or not. But, like, if it's asking oh. preference for guys yeah, or, like, for our partners, I think I, yeah, like, either way, I'm, like, not, like, that fast. But, like, mm. groomed, well-groomed mm. is always nice, mm-hmm. as with the rest of your appearance, I think. Yeah. Um, same thing, but I'm not going to be like, oh, my God. 
like yeah. either way I don't I don't really care yeah I don't really care it's just like mm. one thing that is annoying is stubble like yeah like sharp stubbles. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just straight up is painful so yeah, yeah. that's true <laughs> yeah um and then I think I think the rest of that Cindy will answer over on her Instagram mm-hmm. um yeah let's go to Ooh. does size matter we actually had quite a few people asking i feel like these are all guys (laughs) no okay there was one question that i got on my instagram and it was just Hmm. like it was about that does size matter um but they went on to say like in their experience like Mm. bigger is not better and it's actually really painful Mm. um so I think with that question, it depends on the person mm-hmm. um, because biologically, like sometimes like it anatomically just – Anatomically speaking. Like won't fit or it is too big for you, you know, like that mm-hmm. is like a real issue, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, on the other side of the spectrum <laughs> – Just say it. <laughs> She's trying to sometimes put it nicely. it can be too small. But that doesn't mean you won't have mm. good sex. You have other tools. Mm. Um, well, that's the exact thing. Like yeah. sex, like I feel like if there's one thing that anyone should get out of this podcast, it's like sex is not just penetration. Yes, obviously. Yeah. There is um, more to sex. Yeah. So, you can still be a really good partner even if you're maybe slightly lacking in that area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's not, that's not a deal breaker for me. Um, no, neither. For realsies, but you know, mm-hmm. preference wise, yeah, <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not preferred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, let's have a look here. Mm. Oh, do you want to do the um the poop one? <laughs> what would you do if you? Come on, that's funny. Okay, go on. All right, this is um a great, great question, and. <laughs> What would you do if you got poop on someone? I'm assuming they mean during anal. Oh, you don't mean like just when you're jogging and stuff. <laughs> I do have That's IBS. <laughs> that ties nicely into Zach's question. Yeah. How do you have sex with IBS? <laughs> oh, Zach, I messaged him about that. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so funny. <laughs> Um, what would you do if you got poop on someone? I think um part of like <laughs> part of experimenting with something like that is coming to terms with the fact that like an accident could potentially happen. Yes. Like you and just like, need to know that and it's just yeah. human. <laughs> yeah, just be prepared to accept that and maybe if like the thought of that is the most mortifying thing in the world, maybe reevaluate your relationship with that person or whether Mm. that's something that you actually are comfortable enough to explore with them um and also preparation yeah preparation is key if you're gonna do anything down that end like Mm. think about it it's literally a cavity filled with poop so you know eat your fiber (laughs) (laughs) um clean and just prepare but sometimes you know things happen spur of the moment and there might be some Mm -hmm. poop on the d and so be it and wash it off it's fine just don't cross contaminate yes oh my god very important fucking guys 
I know. Fucking hell. And and on that smelly note, <laughs> I think that is enough questions <laughs> for today. Thank you so much for everyone that sent in a question. Um, I know there's a lot more that we didn't get to, but I will be answering some more of the explicit questions um, over on my Instagram or YouTube or somewhere um, so we can get into the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and for those of you that are wondering, Cindy's Instagram is Cindy Go Shares. Um, I'll pop that in the description of the episode too. So you guys can find her there. Um, you can also find this podcast at Two Besties One Brain Cell on Instagram. Um, and yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. This was um, a really interesting mm. episode to to record. It was actually some of these things were a lot harder to talk about than I anticipated. But I hope that like our perspective can at least help someone out there feel a little bit less alone, maybe with things that they've experienced. Mm. Um, And we're definitely open to doing another episode of, you know, follow-up episodes on this. If there are any areas that you'd like us to go into a little bit more detail about, Um, there's just so much to talk Mm -hmm. about and this episode's already been so long. Um, But yeah, thank you guys so much again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.